Welcome back to the Garden of Glass podcast presented by The Hope Farm. I'm your host, Bentley Evans, and today we have a special guest, our neighbor across the street, uh, Brian Kane. He is one of the owners of the Fairhope Brewing Company, and uh, he's going to join me, and we're going to talk about all things beer. So I appreciate you being here, man. Hey, I'm looking forward to chatting. Yeah, so I guess, you know, that's kind of how we started off. Just give us kind of the background story of you and kind of how you got to you know, Fairhope Brewing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually a pretty fun little story. I went to Alabama Law School, which is where I met uh, my business partner, Jim. And after law school, uh, my wife, not at the time, but my wife, my girlfriend then, wife now, Michelle, yeah. uh, we decided to adventure a little, and we moved to Alaska. Oh, wow. And lived in Juneau, Alaska for about six years. Supposed to be about two years, lasted a little longer. Yeah. Um, both had attorney jobs up there, but we really got into the beer culture up there. Uh, it was real heavy in craft beer, uh, Pacific Northwest, uh, Alaska Brewing Company, which is one of the larger craft breweries in the country these days, uh, is based out of Juneau. Okay. So we really got uh, very familiar with it. We started going to breweries when we go on road trips and vacations and right. um, not any dreams of opening one. We just really, you know, got into that and enjoyed it. We always found that uh, the brewery would have the, the kind of the insider spots to go when you were visiting somewhere new. Sure. Not the, not the tour guide stuff, but right. like the, the, Back door, the back door entrance to the waterfall kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we love going to the breweries and hanging out and meeting folks and, and trying the different beers and, and everything. Um, and then fast forward a little bit, we moved back down this way when we had our daughter mm-hmm. and kind of right at a crossroads of continuing law, what we were going to do. And uh, Michelle actually suggested the idea. We, we give her credit every single one of these times. Yeah. Um, in case she ever listens. <laughs> sure, um, sure. But uh, she, we were actually at a tailgate uh, at the law school in Alabama for a football game mm-hmm. and uh, had some good people beer. Yeah. And we were beer. like, whoa, yeah. man, Alabama has craft beer now. Yeah. yeah. Which was non-existent when I left in, in 2005 pretty much. Mm-hmm. And uh, we kind of started to research a little bit what was going on in, in Alabama. And the laws had just kind of opened up to allow for tap rooms. Uh, to, yeah. I think it was 2012 or 11 is right when that started. Um, and upon finding that out, you know, we, she kind of suggested we look into that. Yeah. Um, and I'm having grown up in Mobile, so we wanted to come back down this way. And uh, so we did a little research, found there were, at the time, I think maybe three or four breweries when we started our process. Yeah. I looked into it because a lot of times you feel like there's a reason, there's a legal reason why it hadn't started down there or something. We couldn't find anything. Yeah. And uh, we kind of decided to pull, pull the trigger and, and try it out. And uh, she ended up getting a job with with Hargrove Engineers down here as their in-house counsel. So she does nice. the the real work, and I do the the beer drinking. So it's a <laughs> so it's a really nice setup. Uh, yeah. I'm not complaining about For about sure. how it worked out. But winner. Um, she's a better lawyer than me, though. So she, <laughs> they're funny. they're in better hands with her than, than me there. Right. But, uh, but yeah. So anyway, we we kind of once we saw that that uh, there seemed to be an open door there. You know, we knew we we knew a lot about beer just from having visited all these places. Yeah. I uh, thought we had a pretty good business mind. We're both pretty creative people. And yeah. so uh, we kind of t- t- took the leap at that point to to move forward with it. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm going to take this opportunity to introduce the episode's cocktail. So this episode's cocktail is the Razor Burn. It is two dashes of mango pineapple habanero tincture, 0.5 ounces of lime juice, 0.75 ounces of mango shrub, 0.5 ounces of Ancho Reyes and one ounce of Luna Reposado. You shake it, strain it into a coupe, and top it with Razor's Edge Sour, which is a lavender lemon sour that y'all have on tap over there. And it is delicious. That's a good one. Cheers, man. Cheers. We're also drinking Lost in Mountain Brook, which is a West Coast IPA. So we're uh, we're double dipping here. Going to have a good time. I don't know so. if it's beer before liquor or which way you're supposed to go. But yeah, it doesn't, doesn't matter at this point. <laughs> We're good. We're going to drink them both. All right. Deal with the consequences later. Um, all right. So um, let's jump into kind of the inception story. Obviously, you know, you, you have a partner there, Jim um, Foley. Um, kind of how did he – How did you, you said you all linked up at, at law school. Is that right? Right. So we got to be, uh, we got to be friends in law school. Uh, we were in the first sections together. Okay. Um, I think we kind of bonded over fancy football or, or something like that. So, you know, we kind of got together. Uh, we're both sports enthusiasts, so we, we ended up uh, getting to be friends. We were roommates our third year of law school. Okay. And then he went and worked for a judge in Georgia for a couple of years. 
and I did the thing in Alaska. Yeah. And then when we came back down, he had kind of his time to run out doing that, and he was kind of looking for the next step. Yeah. And uh, I tried convincing him over and over again to to jump in with me, and he was super hesitant to do it. <laughs> and we ended up going up to Atlanta, which is the area he was in, for the ACC basketball tournament yeah. in, I guess, the spring of 2012. And had some beers. We had a home brewer who was going to be our, our first brewer, a uh, guy named Dan Murphy, made excellent beer. Ferret 51 was one of his okay, originals cool. that I brought with me. Nice. And uh, brought him up there and ended up meeting up with Jim. And he tried him out and called me like the next day, says, I'm in. Nice. So uh, at that point, and yeah. it was and it was helpful because, you know, it's, it was a lot easier to be in bouncing off ideas off somebody who's, you know, in this thing with you. Right. Uh, we initially started out looking at the beach. That was kind of where we, we thought we wanted to be, was mm-hmm. down in the Orange Beach or Gulf Shores area. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately for us, that did not work out. Right. Uh, we we kind of had a bad day on the, uh, the the searching for a spot front, decided we would uh, expand our search to Fairhope. Okay. Literally, first building we drove up to is the one across the street here that we were in. Really? And uh, the, the leasing agent, Randy Niemeyer, lived, like, right down the street. He yeah. came and let us in the building in, like, two minutes. And then we drove away going, we're not going to look another place. That's that's awesome. That's the spot that, that we want to be in. Yeah. And I uh, just had the, the look of the, you know, the, the brick facade had the look we wanted, yeah. space we needed. And, uh, and it was, you know, so that was, that was exciting. You know, you, you, you don't expect, you know, sometimes you don't, we had to re- redo our business plan, you know, not completely, but make right. some modifications to what we were trying to do. We had a little more year round crowd, less, less of the tourist, you know, hardcore run. So, right. uh, and looking back, you know, it's one of those things that, Hugely worked out in our favor. Somebody was looking over our shoulder, helping us out there. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you know, iconic Fairhope brand at this point. Um, how long have you been open? We opened in January of 2013. Okay. So we'll be, our 10th year anniversary will be this January. It's going to be a fun party. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as far as the learning the process of brewing, did y'all, I mean, how involved are y'all in that process? Obviously, you have a guy that, that heads it up. But as far as kind of the, the, the learning process there of how it's done, Obviously, you had to do a little bit of that on your own, um, being a lawyer and not a, you know, right. didn't go to school or for a brewing program or anything like that. So, how'd that process happen? Well, I've actually, uh, I've brewed about two batches of beer in my career by myself. Okay. Um, I, I wouldn't say by myself, with, with friends. Yeah. Uh, which is why we went out looking. We, we, we got the brewer, uh, Dan, that, that started things out for us. And we, we understood enough of the process. I don't think Jim or I ever quite reached a point where we're going to create our own recipes or, yeah. or anything of that sort. But you learn... Um, why something didn't turn out well, what things need to be changed to make something better. So we did learn a lot of the ins and outs, but as far as the actual science technical stuff, I mean, right. we know enough, but yeah. we didn't ever want to get to know enough to be dangerous. Right. So I'm, we're big proponents of letting the people do what they do. I've got my things I'm good at. Uh, Jim's got things he's good at. You yep. know, we're like the brewer's got a thing he's good at. Right. Uh, we've just seen a lot of places that kind of start to fade when the guy in charge thinks he needs to have his hand in everything. Yep exploit um, everybody's you know strong suits right and yeah. so we're like you know if i don't know something about it i'm not gonna argue with the guy that does so <laughs> yeah. gotta put a lot of trust in those people yeah you, you know, know you gotta make you gotta you gotta use your skills to pick the right person right and then from there you let them do what they do yeah you know? so in the hiring process how many did y'all start out with how many employees uh it was me jim and dan for okay. about probably nine months or so okay um now we had you know michelle helped out bartending um you know, Jim's wife helped out. Cindy, uh, Dan's wife helped out. We had we had people who were support staff, so to speak, but not right. necessarily employees by any means. Right. Uh, and yeah, Jim and I were you know we were bartending all six nights a week, pretty much between the two of us, yeah. and washing the kegs, filling the kegs, all the things that we were able to do as part of that process. Um, we were we were the ones doing all those things. Yeah, all the dirty work. Um, yeah. And you know, now we're at I think we got about. 10, nine or 10 full-time employees. Um, you know, we got a, three or four bartenders and it's, uh, it's, it's grown a lot. And yeah, you know, we've got guys that know how to run equipment that I have no clue how it works. <laughs> right. It's very specialized. Yeah. The, uh, so obviously in the beginning, the tap room was kind of the main focus, I guess, was that, right. was that the main line of business? And then you got into the distribution side of things. We did. We opened, uh, when we started out, we opened three days a week because okay. we had a small amount of beer. Mm-hmm. You know, we had, we were just, we were doing it slowly because we didn't want to if we weren't good at it we <laughs> didn't want to have like four batches that <laughs> sure. were terrible right so we did one and then the next one and then the next one so we uh so we were only open thursday through saturday just for like four hours just because okay. we wanted to get everybody out there we obviously we needed some income yeah 
but we, we knew we couldn't sustain some sort of six day a week thing. So once we started to get our beer stock up a little bit, um, we did the tap room thing pretty comfortably. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, um, I think it was the beginning of beginning the middle of March of 13 is when we distributed to a few places okay. around Fairhope. Okay. Uh, Ravenite pizza is the only one I think that's actually still open that picked our beer up the very first week. That's awesome. Um, Nick Sherry's picked our beer up. They picked up Fairhope 51 the first time it was available. Okay. Which wasn't one of our first beers available. Yeah. And I think they've had it on tap at McSherry's for you know, eight plus years now, which is pretty awesome. That is awesome. Um, but yeah, Raven Knight's had us on tap every week since we first distributed, which is which is fantastic. The other yeah. places I'm sure would have, but they've kind of come and right. come and gone here and there. Right. Um, but yeah, it was funny. We we started out and we got five accounts our first week, and we were all like, "We're not going to make it." Like, there's only five people that want to buy our beer. Like, <laughs> what in the world is going on here? Right. Um, then we real as you get into the game, realize that they got to wait on kegs to blow, and they got you know, there's a whole lot of things to that that we didn't yep. comprehend. We just get our feelings hurt every time somebody didn't want our beer, and right. you work through that. You right. know, every bad review you got, you oh, know, in month one, I'm sure you just fret it over and wanted to email them and straighten it out. Yeah, I gotta have, I gotta stop having those come to my email address because yeah. I get to read them, and then and then it's a spiral. But you know, yeah. you're searching for like Todd S out of Spanish yeah, form. Like, what's this guy on what Facebook? What's what he do? Like? Oh, look, he wrote bad about this place too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we did a lot of that. We don't do that anymore. Yeah. Good us, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we uh, we distributed in a small amount. Uh, again, we one of the best pieces of advice I got early on. And I think it actually was from one of the guys at Good People was don't run out of beer. Yeah. Um, you know, there's the good problem to have is not running out of beer. There are some out there, but that's not one of them. Yeah. And so we move very slowly in distribution, making sure that we could fulfill an account because, right. you know, you spend a week convincing somebody to put you on tap. Mm-hmm. It flies. They go to reorder it and you're out. It's going to be hard. It's even harder to get it back on again. Yep. Yep. And so we, we move real slow in that. And, and again, that's been one of our calling cards for, quite a while now is consistency and availability. Like right. we tell you we're going to have a beer, we're going to have it. Right. And barring, you know, mechanical issues sure. or whatever things, there are things that have, have uh, made it hard sometimes, yeah. but, but by and large we've, you know, if somebody orders a beer, we don't, we don't run out on them. That's awesome. What was the first beer that y'all brewed? Uh, Everyday Ale was the very first beer. That's a good one. Everyday Ale. And then we did one called Section Street Wheat, okay. which was a true German Hefweizen. Okay. And it was the Blue Moon Shock top crowd. Yeah, it was a little too traditional and just didn't. Gotcha. I say it didn't move. It might not have been good. That was a long time ago. I yeah. don't. I don't know how that one. <laughs> how it. But every day is basically some very. You know, uh, we we tweaked the recipe here and there, but it's very similar to what we what we first put. You know, at least recipe wise, we yeah. first put out. There was a taste test that happened, and the golden ale, the cheap sunglasses, beat it, huh? In the in the blind taste test, it did. We had we 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 were looking for something. And it's a little more cost effective as well for okay. us. So for packaging purposes, that um, that worked out a little bit better yeah. with what the ingredients we were getting in the other beers and everything else. Gotcha. And uh, we still bring back everyday ale. Oh yeah. You know, I don't know a few few months a year here and there. Every when, day. Or, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love the shirt. I drink every day. It's a genius. Yes. Um. So as far as the strategic plan here, obviously, you know, y'all have the pelican. Right. Where did that originate from? Was that from part of the original uh, idea, the, the mascot for, for Fairhope Brewing, or, or did, did that kind of evolve? We, um, when we were coming up with our logo, I would say it was probably the biggest, like, throwdown fight we had amongst our original group of people. Yeah. Um, we had another guy named Gabe Harris who's out of uh, Birmingham. He was the head of Free the Hops a little while back. He's a friend of a good friend of mine. Okay. And I got in touch with him kind of early on, asking some questions about the Alabama beer scene. Yeah. Uh, at the end of our conversation, he's like, "Well, I'd love to be a part of this, you know, operation if you if you're looking for people." Yeah. Obviously, he was a great guy to have on because he had a ton of knowledge. He's still um, a part of what we're doing here, okay. and so he was one of those people that was helping out early yeah. on with with this logo thing. And um, we we ended up getting um, hummingbird ideas out of Mobile. Okay. And they had a sheet like a sheet of like I don't know five pages of logos because they came up with the concept of the F with the the negative space being something. Right. And because we didn't want the clock, we didn't, you know, we, we wanted something new and fresh. Really. Sure. A lot of, you know, the clock's cool, but, you know, clock's on all the logos. So, right, right. Uh, sunset, same thing. You know, we kind of like the idea, but but then again, it was something you see a lot. And mm-hmm. We wanted to be something something different. And so we had all these various logos. I mean, there's a million of them. I think we got the pages somewhere. <laughs> and we couldn't agree on anything. Yeah. And then on, like, one of the bottom corners, I saw, like, the Pelican. I guess there's so many of them. That yeah. I was like, screenshot it sent everybody I was like I think this is it 
And I'm like, yeah, that's the Pelican. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And so we ended up going with that logo, which uh, which obviously we you know we still have on pretty much everything that we yeah. have out there. Yeah. Um, and then you know the Pelican, and also Gulf Coast wise, um, you know we haven't distributed to Louisiana yet, but mm-hmm. the, the day we do, like obviously that resonates right away. Right. There. Um, so we used that was our you know pre packaging logo. Yeah. Um, then when it came time to actually put beer in, in bottles and then cans, um, we we wanted to to not obviously use the same pelican. We want to keep the same concept together. Yep. And uh, everything we looked at, I don't know if you ever tried to look up pelicans. They either look super scary or they look crazy cartoonish. Yeah, for sure. And like we were like, this I don't know what we're gonna do. Like you know we can't find anything out there, and ended up getting in touch with uh, Matt Whitfield who did all of our stuff. Okay. Um, he used to work for Coors. He's done a lot of lot in the marketing world in general around this area. And uh, he put together the, the Pelican concept to us because we wanted a mascot, like I said, a mascot, as we do, that's interchangeable. Yeah. That, that, so when you're looking at our beer, you know it's our beer. Right. Um, we found a lot of breweries. Each can had its own very individual design. It's yeah. like, how do you know if that's a brewery? I, you know, because a lot of people go, well, I love their IPA, so I'm going to try their amber. I'm yeah. like, you know, and we're like, we want people to know across the board that, these are our beers. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, and uh, we looked at um, New Belgium did a great job of that. They they frame all their artwork on their packaging the same way, so it's a different like whatever you want to call it. You know, whether it's the bicycle or, right. or the, the ranger guy or whatever. Yep. Um, but if you look at all the boxes, they all pretty much look the same, different color patterns. Gotcha. And it's recognizable. We know what you're getting. So anyway, so that was important to us. And then he came to us with that pelican, and we were like, ah, oh, this guy like this pelican like. Looks like he knows something that you don't know. <laughs> He's not scary. You right. know, he doesn't look like he should be in a kid's cartoon. This yeah. is exactly what we're looking for. And so, yeah, from there, then when it was just having fun, like putting sunglasses what we, on. Yeah, what do we think? This oh, Causeway guy is going to be a fisherman, and yeah. the Amber guy is going to look like a professor, you know, right. or whatever. And so, from there, it was just kind of, kind of fun to, you know, part of the part of coming up with beer names too is like, well, what is, you know, what is this Pelican? Like, we did cheap sunglasses. One of the last ones really yeah. used that Pelican for was was we were discussing the names. We're like, well, how does the Pelican look under this name? And we, a lot of them we had to discard because we just couldn't figure it out. Right. Then when cheap sunglasses came about, we're like, oh, the, you know, fanny pack and the sunglasses perfect. and everything, it'll be perfect. It'll be good. So how is the creative process of, of naming those beers? Because I think y'all do a fantastic job at that, and I think a lot everybody could agree with that, that y'all have such clever names. What's the, what's that creative process like? I mean, obviously it's a, probably a team effort, but – what does that look like? Yeah, it's uh the, the really the exciting part is is watching Jim and me argue over who actually thought of a name. We <laughs> we started documenting a little better because we we have these arguments as take trying to take credit right. as to because a lot of times it is you know somebody will throw out one that's just a little bit off and then somebody else cleans it up and you're like oh that's the whole thing right that yeah. was it <laughs> you're like no but I started that conversation yeah. Uh, so yeah so a lot of it it you know it just kind of depends on. Um, some of them are the the based on what the beer is of, of how we want to do it or you know obviously I drink therefore I amber we want yeah we wanted the name in there and sure um, Fairhope fifty one is based on our brewers it was his fifty first recipe oh, really? out of his little brew book that's where we came up with that one that's cool um, and then you know I don't even remember I think take the Causeway IPA just one day I just spurted that out in the summer we were complaining about traffic or something and only rookies don't then, take the call exactly yeah. and then that kind of you know and that and that just flew you know flow you know, came out well yeah. Um, and then again, I had a, um, we did an event, uh, called Frickin' Fest over in Mobile mm-hmm. and we made these shirts that said, vote for fair hope or the devil will get you. And cause of obviously yeah. the sign yeah, of yeah, Montgomery. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. you know, we come back one day, I'm like, that's the same amount of syllables as take the causeway. <laughs> and so we, we, we put take that shirt and I swear to God, every time we post that, anything about that on social media, it just like blows up. Like yeah. people just. Love love that you know that saying and it's hilarious. Um, either you get it or you don't. If right. you get it, it's it's you know it, it hits. Right. Uh, but yeah, no. The naming the beers is definitely one of the most fun. I mean, I'm sure y'all do it with your cocktails. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, obviously, you've got some that are already have names that you you just create, but right. then there's you know there's some that you know what you what the razor burn yeah the razor that burn one, you know like that's a right just playing know. off of, of different ingredients or whatever. But yeah, you got the classic ones as well that you. You know, you kind of go with the name. But then we, we'd like to play on, on a bunch of classics, too. So they have fun down there with it. I can't take any credit for naming any cocktails. I just like to drink them. <laughs> but so do y'all drink the beer prior to naming the, the beer? Or do you? It kind of depends. Yeah. Uh, if it is a uh, if a certain style that we come up with, we'll, we'll play off that style a little bit. Right. Um, I'll give you a good example of one. We uh, This is how sometimes how it occurs. We have one called Long Handshake that's mm-hmm. an Imperial Porter. Mm-hmm. And 
there was a day when uh, Darius was bartending on a Friday, and he had this this older gentleman come up to him to tell him how much he enjoyed him bartending. And there's about four of us kind of just standing on the end of the bar at the end of the day chatting. Yeah. And the guy starts shaking Darius's hand while he's telling him how much he enjoyed it. Well, this conversation goes on for so long that they're basically just holding hands <laughs> by the end of this this conversation. Right. And we're all just laughing. Like, and he's keeping a straight face and just listening to this guy. Yeah. And then when it's over, we're like, man, that was a long handshake. <laughs> and so I was like, we didn't write that one down. That's awesome. So, like, we didn't have the beer, but it just we have a little folder, you know. There, it goes in our notes. Right. Long handshake. And then when we, we tasted that one, we were like, this is the one finally that matches long handshake. So, That's so fun, man. So we have ones that pop up every now and then. Yeah. And we'll write them down, and we're like, when the, the, we'll know when the beer comes along yeah, that yeah. we want for this one. Uh, other ones, yeah, it's like, here's the style. Let's let's start yeah. throwing okay. things around till, till something hits that we, right. you know, that we really like. That's fun, man. I love that. I love that I, that whole process. So as far as you know, your y'all's marketing plan, you know, getting out. Obviously, you started kind of in Fairhope, distributing or distributing, kind of trying to get your beer in, in various places. What was the game plan from there as far as your expansion? Um, you know, wh- where was the, the kind of, you know, Birmingham? Where were the areas they all kind of uh, sought out? And then kind of how did you all go about getting your beers in those places? Well, yeah, the first area was was Birmingham, actually. It probably should have been Pensacola, but uh, getting beer across state lines is a little uh, – you got a little more federal paperwork to do than you do just within your own state. So right. Birmingham was easiest for us out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually, we did – I mean, Mobile was a couple of months before we went into Mobile. Um, so once we got comfortable in Mobile, we sent a little bit of beer. I don't think we actually started a full truck to Birmingham until probably about a year in. Okay. Um, just because, we, again, we didn't want to run any risk of running out or anything like yeah, that. Yourself then, yeah. So we um, – so Birmingham – and also that's where I mentioned Gabe. He was already up there. He had a lot of – knew a lot of people. So we had a pretty decent following up there before. We'd been up to some beer festivals up there. Gotcha. And, um, you know, we, went, we wanted to, to expand there. And then the second place we, I went, I'm pretty sure, was Pensacola area after okay. that. Um, and, uh, we, we've, we've held on well there. Um, again, we try and, we don't want to get, get too far out. We want to, we'd rather really saturate each place that we're in. So even fast forward nine years, Baldwin County is still our number one focus. You know, we always feel like there's growth in your own area. Mm -hmm. Um, we always said if we relied on our, the beer we were going to sell in Arkansas, then we probably weren't going to make it. So, you know, we, we knew that only more breweries were going to open, that only more, you know, people are going to support your, Local guy, obviously we wanted. Obviously we we pushed that, you know, support us over outside folks sure. or whatever. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, you know, we we do well in the the rest of the state. We do well in, in Mississippi. We do well in, in the Florida area. Um, but again, our focus is Baldwin County first, Mobile County second. Those are the ones gotcha. that we really even now just work really hard to make sure we're doing everything we can. I like that. I think people love to support local, so that's probably you know easier sell I would say maybe than, than somewhere in another state. Yeah, yeah, you know, and again, Pensacola is only, you know, 30 minutes away, but 45 minutes, whatever, but Florida people love Florida breweries. We, yeah. we have found that. There's a lot of, you know, to Grayton or Pensacola Bay, there's a lot of loyalty there, and uh, and from the accounts, too, so, yeah. you know, it, it takes some effort to, to get your foot in the door over there. Right. And uh, so, we, you know, we get a lot of people come over from Pensacola to drink at our tap room, but, um, but yeah, a lot more success, you know, and, and even in Mobile now, you know, we've got a lot of breweries in Mobile, so there's, you know, the, the locals even getting more more local. Right. Um, you know, you've got Brady River and Old Majestic and now Oyster City's over there. Yeah. Um, Iron Hand. You got some folks there that are that are people are very loyal to a mobile. Yep. That uh, you know, might pick up our beer but not as frequently as they did before those guys were around. So. Right. And y'all did y'all, y'all done a collaboration with them, the friends in low places. Yes, yeah, yeah, we did. Um but we kinda wanted to highlight one of the cooler things about our industry is that, you know, while we are obviously in competition to some extent. We're also not. We're all we're friends. We you're brewing beer. You we know. share ideas. Yeah, we share <laughs> yeah. ingredients. We share ideas. Yeah, you know, we get together to, to talk about things that aren't going the way we want or things we'd like to see changed. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, so it's you know we talk somewhat regularly with those guys anyway. So it made sense to put something together to kind of let everybody know that we do all. You know, we yeah. we do actually get along. There's some you collaboration know, here. Yeah, yeah, you know, we're 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 friends with each other, and um, you know, we we hope each other's breweries are successful as can be. You know. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's kind of how our mentality is too. I mean, if, if there's another wine bar or another, you know, r- nice restaurant, it just it amplifies the, the, the place you live in and makes it all better. So, uh, you know, friendly competition is a good thing. Yeah. You know, it used to be if you want to come down on a, on a beer tour down here, you came to Fairhope or you got nowhere. Now right. you got, you know, five or six breweries down here. It makes us the whole area a little more attractive. Exactly. So it's, it's exactly. we got no problem with that. So as far as your, you know, 
obviously y'all had a you know strategic plan starting this thing out. How did the overall um, the overall marketing uh, I'm trying to search for the word here, but just the overall strategic plan? How did that has that shifted from the day you open the doors to right now? Has there any been any significant changes that were not part of the original plan? You know, I don't know that there's any anything uh, crazy significant. I think we have we have grown in terms of like. Uh, we used to have a chalkboard we wrote all our beers down on. Mm-hmm. Now we have a, an actual, you know, board, uh, TV menu type. Yeah. A, a lot of things like that. Like, I think we have um, – I like to think of it, I always joke that, like, so we have our Golden Tea machine over there, which I know you're familiar with. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. You know, I was playing Golden Tea back in, like, you know, 1999. Yeah. And from each year, you don't ever feel like it changed that much. You're like, oh, it's got a little bit better. Yeah. And then you go down and you play, like, a machine from 2003, and you're like, oh, my God, how did I ever <laughs> – right. this thing is crazy. Like, what, this is terrible. What yeah. happened? yeah. And that's kind of, I feel like we make, we've made small changes, whereas being a part of it, you don't notice it as much. But if you, say, came to see us in 2014, you come back in 2020, you'd be like, right. wow, you guys have, you know, you've done this. You've Completely done that. You know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, again, we've gone from, we started with, uh, you know, so two or three, four beers on tap. Now we've got 14 and a cider. Yeah. Um, so we try, you know, we try to watch. I think we less watch what other breweries are doing now. I think early on we were real cognizant of the beer world in general. Right. I think now we focus a little more inward on what what we're doing, what we want to do, yeah. what our customers are interested in, in sure. having. Yeah, um, you know, and try and make sure we keep the beers that we want out there. Uh, and I, I think we've also just gotten as we've grown, we've gotten a lot more uh, organized, formal. Yep. Um, you know, from from you know writing on notepads to Google spreadsheets to now an actual you know brew system that tracks inventory. Right. So I think we've gotten more professional. I guess that'd be yeah. the word. Like we we tried to not lose our down home, small town feel, which I don't think we have, but we've also on the backside tried to make everything way more organized. Where, yeah. um, you know, we are running it like a, a, a place that's brewing, you know, four or five thousand barrels of beer, not five hundred barrels of beer. So it's that's a ton, you know. And it's yeah, it's uh, you know, again, that's, that's a lot of bringing on people that you trust to do a job and not micromanaging, not looking over their shoulder all the time. And right. and uh, you know, there are definitely some jobs Jim and I were more than happy to give up, but sure. but other people take on. I'm sure. Yeah, as as more employees come on the accountability side of things, I would imagine you know you, know, you had to get off the uh, write it on a piece of paper and put it where everybody could see it, right? <laughs> you know, but uh, so as far as you know, when did at what point did y'all uh, expand your manufacturing? So obviously y'all had that the one brewer or tap room area, and then you had the you know y'all can see through the windows. If you've never been there, you can see behind the bar. There's the the you know the tanks and everything. And then y'all acquired the building next to you right. and expanded your production. What when at what point did y'all do that and kind of what was that process like? Yeah, we didn't, you know, we our initial business plan didn't necessarily call for us to get into to package quite as soon as we did. Um, but we started to see people the, the area was growing, not necessarily the state, I guess, more was growing with breweries more so than the area. Mm-hmm. And you know, we were in, I wanna say, probably middle of fourteen, we kind of started looking around that we needed to probably get in package because we, what we didn't want was to be the second area brewery in package. Right. We wanted the, the prime spot while we could get it. Yep. And um, the, the guy that owned the print shop there, he had, he was kind of looking to downsize because the, the print industry was, the machines were, you know, a tenth of the size they used to be. So he had a lot of dead space in his, his right. building. Yeah. And so he had been talking to us for a while about taking that spot over when he wanted to move to a smaller location. So we kind of started that, that, that talk with them um, at the time, the beer laws allowed you you had to have um, to sell beer in your tap room. You had to either make it there or in a adjacent an adjacent facility. Okay. So if we had made if we had gone to say County Road thirty two and put up a building, mm. the beer we made there could not have been sold at our tap room. Gotcha. That has since changed, but that's how it was at the time. And so that was a huge spot for us because those two buildings were counted under the same permit. Sure. Um, so obviously ease of workflow of having brewers that can work on both sides, but also that we didn't have to be double brewing anything. Yep. Uh, so we, we ended up getting in there. Um, and I, th- I think it was early part of 15, maybe, um, again, started out in bottles initially yep. just because we weren't for sure what our, uh, best sellers were going to be. Gotcha. And to order cans, you order a truckload at a time, pre-printed cans. So you get gotcha. like 120,000 cans or 150, I forget the numbers, a large number. Wow. Um, Versus ordering a truckload of bottles and then smaller numbers of labels, and so that's that was the reason initially we went 
we went bottles because we wanted to make sure and we ended up being right thank goodness but right. you know we were, we had these visions of being stuck with you know 90,000 cans of amber that had nothing to do with right. and uh so thank god we did you know we, we didn't end up happening uh, but yeah so we just we knew that we wanted to make sure we got out on shelves and before anybody now not you know no big money guy came through and started taking over the area or anything but it's always kind of something that was out there in our minds and we're like let's not you know, we're, we're people are enjoying our beer. We think we've got a really good product right now. Let's yeah. let's jump right in and, and and go for it. Yeah. So the transition from bottles to cans that was just kind of a, a purchase of a piece of machinery type deal, or uh, somewhat. Yeah. Like? Yeah. We um, so being in Kansas, something we we were initially we wanted to do. Being down here, uh, golf courses, beach, everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, cans in theory are actually a lot better for the beer. You know, they're not. They don't taste like aluminum like maybe they did 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Right. Uh, they keep all the light out. The beer stays fresher longer. So we were, we were always were interested in cans. Uh, so once we, we decided to make the switch, um, it, a canning machine is much more expensive. But a bottling machine, so for bottling we have to do, uh, if you come on our tours, you can get one of the real real detailed explanations of all I've this. Been this on is, it, yeah. This is nice. one of my rundowns <laughs> I give. But, um, but so for bottling, we had a previ- a day before we even started bottling where we were building case boxes, putting the six-pack holders in there. Mm-hmm. Then it took three guys full-time to run that line. Right. And we were getting about, I think it was about 28 to 30 bottles a minute out of there. Okay. Canning line has no pre-production. So everything goes uh, into a carton, straight into a flat. So we don't. there's no pre-production that we have to do on that. takes about two and a half people basically to run it. And we do about 52 or so cans a minute on that. So the efficiency side was, yeah. was huge. Yeah. Um, where it took us, say, two days to empty a tank, now it's taking us one day because we're getting the packaging part done so much more efficiently. Right. Um, and so we have the, the, the machine that puts them in a cart and pops them out the other end. So we've got basically one guy kind of running the machine, another person on the end pulling stuff off. Now we got extra help that's always kind of roving around and yeah. and lending a hand. Um, so that was that was a big thing. Obviously, ordering the cans was that, – that, that wouldn't hurt initially yeah. <laughs> to get your first orders in of, sure. of cans. That was – um, I'll tell you the craziest thing, though, is we had um, shipping containers that we used for storing all of our bottles. Okay. We had about three of them back behind our building. Well, the pallets that carry cans were, like, literally, like, three inches taller than uh, the shipping containers. <laughs> and shipping containers are not made in any other way, shape, or form. Right. And they were not going to slice three inches off the top of our pallets. <laughs> and so, I mean, this was a problem we went on weeks stressing about and ended up buying – some like ends of tractor trailer, you know, eighteen wheeler, gotcha. which was high enough. We got yeah. four of those back there now that store each shipment when it comes in. Okay, um, but yeah, those six inches they, that wore us out pretty good bit. Uh, what, how to handle that, and and what to do with it, and, yeah. and everything else. And did you realize that uh, after you purchased the the cans? No, we, okay. we knew that beforehand. Thank <laughs> okay. God, we were smart enough to measure. <laughs> yeah. If if we had done that eight years ago, yes, they would have arrived, and we'd have been like, "What now?" Yeah. But one of those professionalism things was right. that we actually looked ahead and said, Learned "Hey, mistakes. hey, let's measure this before we we take take delivery of anything." Yeah. So yeah, so that was you know, but I mean, initially, like our our carton machine was behind, so we had to put things in those the pack tech rings, and so there was a whole lot of. It was not an easy transition. Right. Um, you know, our distributor had to be very patient with us on that, and the accounts had to be very patient with us on that. Sure. Um, but we're glad we did it. I think it's, it's you know, we're very, we like what we have, what we have going right now. Beer still, still tastes great out of the yeah. can, so no worries there. Um, as far as the, I want, I want to get your advice on kind of someone that would be entering into this business that wants to get into, you know, brewing and starting a, a brewery. What would be your one little snippet of advice for that person uh, i think I, when i you know we do talk to people sometimes again one of the nice things that when we were coming in so good people talked to them a little bit back 40 was extremely helpful um, when we had questions about things yeah. and so we always kind of made a point at that time like we're gonna you know pay that forward people come to us i'm not gonna tell you the causeway recipe but I'll, you know sure you want to know what our power bill is yeah i'll let you know what it is i'm you know i'm not gonna hide any of that stuff but uh i think the biggest thing is to to find what you do and do it well like, I think that's, that is, that is the thing. I think so many people try to like, you know, you're going to open only for lunch. Well, now we're going to open for dinner. Now we're going to open for breakfast. Now our menu is 14 pages. Right. And, you know, it's like, find the thing that you do, find what, whatever, whether it's your beer style, whether it's your, the feel of your tap room, you know, whatever it is. You know, I love going to Birmingham's. I think they got a lot of breweries that are just 
really different than each other from beer styles to the field when you walk in the tap room to the clientele that's in those tap rooms. And that's why they're all successful is because they're not all just doing the exact same thing. Right. So I think that's, for me, that's always this, like, find your angle. You look at Brady River is a good example. They're very uh, nature, outdoorsy, you know, kayaking kind of thing. They do Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff with Coastal Foundation. Um, Not that we don't do a lot of that stuff, but that is their kind of their angle. And it's – I think it's it, it helps your branding to know what what that angle is. Um, yeah, I said this on the last podcast, and it was one of our bartenders that kind of wrote it on a little suggestion card. But be unapologetically yourself. Yeah, and it was just like, you know, and then just do everything. We know our our, our marketing that. director. She she used to always say she goes, "We're all marketing companies. It's just we have different products for marketing." Yeah, everybody's know? a salesman. You know. Yeah, that's what I say. <laughs> we could you could make the best beer in the world and have terrible marketing. Nobody know it. Right, but you can make the worst beer in the world and have make great marketing, and nobody's gonna drink it. So you got to have some combination of both things. But yeah, I think people lose their way when they try to either listen to too many voices or or try to do too many things. Like, yep. if you're good at making sours, make sours. You know, you're good at IPAs. Do you know whatever it is? Find, find your, your find your thing. Yeah. Find what it is and 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 do it. You know, I think Big Beach as well. They've done a great job of at their tap room of just as a you feel like you're at the beach when you're in there. Yep. You know, and I think it's a um, it's a great angle. They got a great setup and. Um, you know, they put put together what they are, and you, I think it matches what, you know, their name and the yep. feel they're looking for. And yeah. So I, it's always nice to see that. You know, I think we, you know, we, we have our, our thing that we go for, which, you know, you, you, as you're going through this, you put on, you know, the, the, the clever names and yeah. the, you know, yeah. things along the Pelican and whatever. Right. And right. So you got to come back to that stuff and make sure you're not falling too far off what your, what your mark is. Yeah, I think I'll do it really well. I, uh, so pandemic. Tell me, tell me what happened when you realized, all right, we're going into shutdown. We can't distribute beer. No one's going to be buying it because everything's shut down. What was the, what, like, you know, obviously y'all sat around and tried to figure out, you know, the, the plan. What was it? Well, initially we, you know, obviously we didn't know how long anything was going to last. So at first you're yeah. like thinking, oh, it's only going to be a week or two or right. we'll be fine. Um, biggest thing for us was, you know, for here, I think it was right before Arch and Crafts Festival, mm-hmm. which we is usually a big weekend for us. Uh, we had just brewed a batch of our Tarts and Crafts Sour that we are going to have on tap at all these places around town. Yep. And so our issue is, you know, you're brewing week, beer three, four weeks out, when all of a sudden we got all these tanks full and no taps at all to mm. put, you know. And so that was number one brainstorm is what are we going to, you know, how are we going to, yeah. you know, obviously we're going to be shut down, nothing we can do about that. Uh, then the, the opportunity came for um, the the beer to go. I think that you could, you know, you, people could go to grocery stores or you could run kind of a, a storefront. Yep. Uh, so basically, we we reconfigured our tap room to where you would just literally walk about two feet in the front door. We had a register set up there. We had our beer to go cooler, yep. and we basically started canning everything we had into sixteen ounce cans, hand labeling, do all for everything that we had. <laughs> and uh, so we had some stuff that was already there, ready to go. And, and the same thing with our staff too. You know, we were trying to just get one or two guys in. We you know we didn't want like twenty people back there, right. so. We were working the schedule with these guys to make them feel comfortable and safe, and but still get the stuff done. Yeah, and um, I think it, what it, what it did nicely for us is one pushed us to make crazy beers because we needed you know somebody might come out and buy cheaps and glasses while they're there. We needed to make the Tiger King beer, the one we made with Peeps. Y'all capitalized you know, yeah. on all that really. Yeah, well. we yeah. were like, we got to put some stuff out there that people are like. We did a Bushwhacker beer, you know, yeah. stuff where people are like. Because they can't taste it. It's not, I'm going to come in the tap room and taste that, and I like it. We're like, we got to, the style of the name's got to draw people to, to come out here and buy this beer. Yep. And so we started kind of pushing the limits in that respect of being really creative, uh, whether it be naming or in what was in the beer, because mm-hmm. that was our, our what we could do. Now, once people got there, they'd buy the cause, whether they buy whatever else. Sure. And so um, we ended up doing reasonably well. And if you probably, if you were over there, you saw you know, Elizabeth, who was our bartender yeah. through that stretch, she's in, PA school now, I mean, she was a trooper. She was there for those three, four hours every day. She's labeling the cans. She's awesome. You know, yeah. dealing with all the people coming in. And um, actually, you know, people did tip very nicely. I think they appreciated what we were trying to do. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was nice. There were a lot of people who definitely, of our regulars, who I think came out and, and felt the need to come support us as best they could. Yeah. And, you know, our goal was, well, let's give them something to support us with. You yep. know, And so that's why we were constantly coming up with these creative beers. And that's one thing that has definitely carried over is we did some uh, taproom-only can releases previously. But yeah. now, if we make a beer, we try to get into a 16-ounce can. If you go to our cooler now, you got five, six, seven options every I time. I do love that, yeah. Yeah, that's something that 
we might not have gotten into weren't we not forced into that. Right. So that's kind of one of the, um, you know, one of the, the good things that came out of it for us was, yeah. you know, the ability to realize that this is a market that, that people are interested in. That's cool. Um, I like that. On the other hand, you know, it, it, it when the, the really the hard part, to be honest with you, is when we were able to open the tap room back up. And this is where the longest discussions on our end came because we're, you know, we're a social place. We're barstools right next to each other. We're a place that, yeah. you know, as nothing makes us happier than to look at two people coming in the tap room. Like, they met here. You know, that's where yeah. these guys, these guys became friends sitting here. They know each other. Now they come in and have a beer once a week together. Right. And you kind of take that aspect away with everything because you can only sit with your family group or right. your, whatever the, the different rules were. So that was really challenging because it was one of those things we wanted to open back up, obviously. Again, yeah. you know, the revenue stream needed to keep Got coming. To. Yeah. But we also wanted to do it as responsibly as we could on our end. Sure. And so, you know, there was a lot of discussion that went on about how to do meet both those both those goals. Yep. And also, you know, again, you were dealing with some people who thought it was the scariest thing in the world and some people thought it was not real. And right. Right. You got those customers coming in on either side and you're trying to make everybody happy and you know, I think we did a pretty good job in the end. We didn't really have any issues, but, but I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of game planning that went into, you know, how to, logistics, how yeah. to open back up and yeah. how to do, how to do things the, the right way that makes the, the social people able to be social, but the, the people who are a little nervous right. not be worried about, right. about anything. Yeah. You had, you had a host up there at right. one point, you know, seating people at the tables, like you said, and then you had a designated area where you go up and order the beer from. Yep. Hand sanitizer everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. Masks encouraged. That's kind of how we were, man. We we you know we opened the doors right in the middle of it, and so we had to you know figure out a way to to keep the percent the first impression how we wanted it to be through this whole thing. And so it was there was a lot of money spent trying to you know just making sure that we sterilized everything correctly and and were able to keep the doors open and keep people coming in and getting the experience we wanted them to get. So we never did to-go food because we just didn't have that opportunity right. to, like, people see our food here or experience our food here and then know that, you know, you're getting a little less quality when you get it to-go pretty much anywhere you go. Yeah. I will say shout-out Jeremiah uh, Matthews at Southwood. They did a great job with their to-go food. But uh, <laughs> we, we ate there often, and then we'd come and get a beer at the brewery. You know, the, our, our bet's still open as to when Hope Farm is going to close because, you know, we assumed you weren't going to make it with the, with the pandemic coming right when you were there. And, <laughs> Here we are. I don't know who's on the board right now, but you know. Hey, look, it's, it's all it's all about the neighbors across the street that are keeping us alive. Oh, man, oh, you we know. We, yeah, we hated a few guys. I mean, it was and you, you know, just watch it all. You know, we saw the construction from from day one. Right. Uh, watch, you know, you and your wife put the sign up and then have to take the sign back down. That was kind of humorous because we knew it was coming. But yeah, uh, it was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we yeah, knew yeah. that was going to happen. Yeah, we won't get into that one. But, <laughs> but you know, we saw the whole process, and you know, and then. Yep. You know, we do it was hard on us, but you know, for places like yourself and some, you know, other places that were just getting started, it's yep. like, man, how do you overcome all your plan? Not only is it the shutdown, then there's this limited capacity exactly. reopening. Now, you guys, I think whether you were planning it or not, you already had a huge space with a Ooh. spaced out seating. Like exactly. I think it worked out really great for you guys. That was a, that was just a happen. You know, you, you didn't to have to like way. do a yeah. ton of maneuvering on the inside because you were already well spaced out, a lot of outdoor space. So. Yep. Um, so yeah, you kind of you did benefit from from that. Um, you know, some of these little, little smaller kind of quaint establishments. You know, where you're going to cram twenty five people into right. ten square feet probably were, were struggling. But you guys had a nice floor plan with a lot of options. It worked there. out. Yeah, the out, outdoor seating was key, and then obviously, like you said, just being inside and having everything spaced out it was a, a major benefit that we didn't we didn't plan on, but it just it worked out in our favor for sure. But um, so obviously, you know, we took y'all's y'all's parking. So, uh, right. you know, that was the main thing. It was like, I, I mean, I remember coming here when I first moved back and um, and obviously I'd park on this piece of property every time I came. Yeah. It was easy. You know, you just right. whip in, whip out. And obviously for, for the, the big events that y'all did, that's where everybody parked. So we come in and we take it over. Was there any, you know, were y'all, were y'all angry at us for that? Uh, we were actually in some battles with the, the previous owner about who got to park there anyway. Oh, uh, that's right. That's right. I so it wasn't, a, it wasn't a huge deal. Um, I was, it makes me sad though. I got some videos of me and, and my son, William, when he was first starting to play T-ball over in where your place is now, wherever here Dang. and using that as our baseball field where we he's bulldozed hitting it, huh? the, hitting <laughs> off the tee and running around the, the pretend cool, bases. Though. Yeah. Um, but that's no, yeah, field. we, we had the, uh, we, you know, we got the, the lot next door to where our production facility is and then. Um, yeah, I think we've done a good job 
between the two of us are our businesses and alerting each other when things are going on. Right. And, and, you know, like I said, I think people frequent both of our places. So some of your guys park at our place and go back and forth. Yep. Some of our guys park at your place and go back and forth. It's just so, part of it. You know, I don't, I don't think we've ever had any issues um, no. in that respect. So, yeah. I think everything's been good. Yeah, y'all do a great job of letting us know. When I mean, sometimes I don't, you know, I'm like, I don't, we don't know where everybody parks. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to know where these people park. So I, don't the tell day, me. It's like, you know, it's not really my don't problem. Tell me. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. You know, I mean, you guys have the, you know, you use the security for certain events. We have the yep. uh, off duty police person there for our big events. Just yep. makes you feel a little safer. And right. They can handle the complaints if there are any. And that is the major key to, to get the city involved in that. And, and uh, especially when we're having, you know, wedding receptions right. and things and things are going a little later and a little loud it's easy to get the call in and then they're like hey this call came in but you're good you know so it's, it's good to have that relationship. one of these days they'll shut you down we call every single time Do y'all, yeah i figured it was you yeah we call and then never <laughs> nothing ever comes of it That's maybe one of these days yeah yeah maybe we'll see we'll see <laughs> So, all right, I want to I want to kind of finish this up with where you think the future of um, the brewing industry is headed. Obviously, you know there is there is you know the, the whole uh, uh, seltzer kick going on. Um, people are kind of being more you know health conscious and beers you know you know more not. And right. uh, so, where, where do you think it's headed? Uh, you know, I think the, the, the seltzer thing seems to be kind of, I don't want to say it's fading, but I think it's yeah. getting more, uh, White Claw, I think, is kind of running that show. Yeah. And I think it was one of those things where they were kind of the first ones to really come out and get popular. Mm-hmm. So people were loyal to them, more so to the style in general. Right. Which you see sometimes, you know, people like a certain beer. They don't necessarily like that style, but that's that's what they like. So yeah. I'm not as much worried on the seltzer front. Um, the, the locale thing... It, it exists. I think cheap sunglasses is is reasonably low. I forget what the number is exactly in yeah. calories, but it's not it's not crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but but part of what we do is not you know take the causeway. On the other hand, is is not necessarily calorie friendly. But if you want a really good beer, it's, good. it's a really good yeah. beer. You know, <laughs> yeah. go go jog before you come in. Right. <laughs> um, so I think you know the uh, I think the I think the sours are here to stay. I think that's something that's going to continue going for a long time. Um, I think you're seeing a lot of movement back towards the West Coast style IPAs from the hazies. Mm-hmm. I think hazies are still going to exist, but I think you know th- there was a time where every beer all of a sudden it seemed like they came out. Was I mean we did it too. We we yeah. made a ton, and you know I think but people start to go back to what the, kind of the old school, um, and we started to do that. The, the Lost Mountain Brook I have here. That's you know West Coast. We it's we really went good. back to to telling telling our brewer our current brewer Jacob. You know let's let's start making some like Causeway light. Yeah, you know, let's a little lower alcohol. Yeah, um, maybe a little di- bit different hop profile, but let's keep it that piney, bitter, yeah. you know, kind of kind of floral feel to it. So I think that's you know that's something that's that's going to go. I, you know, you see a lot of these breweries that that are trying to do like the locale IPAs, and mm-hmm. and, and, and you know we're not. I don't think we're going to get jump in anything like that. Yeah. So um, I think if anything, you just see it continue to get more localized to to each little area having its having its brewery and yeah um you know and i'm sure that'll they'll that that'll pass at some point as well but say so it went back you know if we said earlier if we're selling you know if we're relying on our arkansas distribution to stay open we're in trouble right. so yeah that's why our focus has always been here as we know at the end of the day if we can keep a full tap room and we can keep baldwin county mobile county buying our beer we'll be yeah we'll be all right yeah. so um you know i so i don't think uh, a lot of these outside things are necessarily going to affect those kind of things yeah um yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see people stop drinking beer. You know, it's just too good. Yeah, too well, good. you know, and it's, it's affordable for the most part. It is. You yeah, know? I've seen your wine prices, and <laughs> hey, beer's only six dollars over at our place. So, it's five fifty at ours. <laughs> yeah. Cheap sunglasses <laughs> on tap. Go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I don't think either of us wins if we're just lowballing each other true. on price. That's probably <laughs> that's a losing battle for yeah. sure. Um, but I, I do want to say, you know, our collaborations with you guys, you know, growing some things on the farms, y'all making some beers out of that. Um, and then obviously we have a little menu over there um, yeah. that we, you know, run back and forth for, you know, just supplying y'all when y'all don't have food trucks and things. Um, I think y'all have been uh, really incredible neighbors welcoming us from the very beginning. Um, and you've always been supportive on everything. And so I, I, I just want to say thank you for that. 
Yeah, well, you're, you're lucky you got your dad's like the nicest guy in the world too. So you know, <laughs> he's a good guy. He he walk over and ask if the jackhammer was too loud, you know, or something. Yeah. Just in the middle of the day, you know, you think he's gonna come over and complain. And right. He's like, Just want to make sure I'm not in your way at all. Like, well, we wow, took we really right. felt bad about taking the parking. We really did. It was, uh, uh, but but I think it's you know for this little area we have here, I think uh, we play off each other really well. No, I think it's I said I think we're so different, but but, but similar at the same time. I think yep. it, it works great. I think there's a lot of people. Uh, so I, the number of people that either come to our place for a drink, then go to yep. your reservation, yep. or they just came from your place, yep. um, or the, the wedding receptions and things you do, we'll get a little little yep. run at say yeah. nine thirty one night exactly, and we kick um, them out. <laughs> yeah, you know, or we get a lot of people who come in in between the service and the wedding, and they come by and have a beer. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think we definitely see some some good results from you guys. Uh, you guys being our neighbors over there. Yeah. Um, and and again, obviously, we don't have any food, so it. Right, you know that's that's a nice yeah nice thing as well. But yeah, sure. I, I'd love to see this. I, you know, just like we talked about more breweries, I think more things being in your area makes you more of a destination. So, I agree. Um, and now I think get, it works out well. Yeah, now we got a crosswalk. So I know, now I know. we're even closer together than yeah, we were. Exactly. The skywalk didn't come through for us. <laughs> yeah, on the tunnel. One day, day yeah, honestly, one, yeah, one day. <laughs> All right. So the last part of this is a little rapid fire segment, and you just this or that. All right. Okay. And so I'm just going to shoot them to you, and you just give me give me the answers. All right. All right, Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Wars. IPA or Stout? IPA usually. Okay. I love Stout, so. Duke or Alabama? Ooh, that's a tight one. <laughs> I think I'd have to lean. I went to undergrad at Duke, so I'd have to lean Duke, but okay. my, my Alabama football passion is pretty, pretty hardcore. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't blame you. They're pretty good. <laughs> All right, chicken wings or pizza? Chicken wings. Chris Rock or Will Smith? <laughs> <laughs> I always sidle with the comedians. I, I like a comedian. I'm a I'm a Dave Chappelle guy. I hear you know, you. I, I think hear he's you. hilarious. I, I always side with the comedians doing doing their thing. I feel you. It takes a lot of guts to to tell a joke when you might get slapped on the face for it. So <laughs> and you never see it coming. Yeah. I do like Will Smith, but you know, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I've, I've loved Chris Rock from yeah, from way back in the day. So <laughs> Saturday Night Live days on. So for sure, for sure. Well, man, I appreciate you being here. It's been a hell of a time, and. Uh, Look forward to some more. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me over, man. I've I've enjoyed it. Cheers. Thanks for the Cheers. specialty cocktail. Here Absolutely. And, and uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing you around. All right, man. See you.